Hi, welcome to episode 617 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott. And you know, the actors Bobby Moynihan and John Lorraquette, I'm not surprised they're playing the same character on a TV show. Because they look and sound so much alike. In every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four. Starting with issue 1 and going all the way to issue 645. Today, it's Fantastic Four, Volume 4, Number 16, from March 2014. The Fantastic Four are doomed. Part 4. 4 to the 4th power. Story by Matt Fraction and Carl Kessel. Script by Carl Kessel. And art by Raphael Ayinakov. And so, hey, this is the final issue of the Fantastic Four. Again. But, not really. We are in the final issue of the Matt Fraction run, even though I feel like Matt Fraction checked out half a year ago, and the Fraction Bagley run has been kind of morphed into the Kessel-Ayinako non-run. We learned last issue that the reason the Fantastic Four's powers were screwing up is because they were seeded with the powers of another Fantastic Four, from another dimension, and now they're being drawn to that dimension, cured of their problems, but now they have to do battle with that dimension's Doctor Doom, who has the powers of himself, Kang, and Annihilus combined. So it's mayhem in the streets as the two Fantastic Fours, Fantastic Eight, I could call it, do battle with a guy calling himself Doom, the Annihilating Conqueror. I think I'd call him Dr. Dukang Nihilus. With the rubbery arms of two Mr. Fantastics, the two things are flung into action, and it's clobbering time. As Dr. Dukang Nihilus agrees, and he says, It is clobbering time! As he proceeds to clobber the two things at the same time. He goes on to use his time powers to screw with the two human torches, and he sends Jean Grey back to her own time. Doom Kang Annihilus is curious about what this other Fantastic Four is and where they came from. He uses his powers to see what other dimension they came from. And he notices that right at that moment, the Doom of the normal Marvel un- the normal Marvel universe, or Doctor Doom, is doing battle with Ant-Man. Doom Kang Annihilus scoffs at this and finds it laughable. Reed says, don't underestimate Scott Lang. Doom Kang, I, I'm just going to call him Alt-Doom to make it easier, says that if the real Doctor Doom falls to Ant-Man, he deserves it. And he will go to that world and conquer it too. So Alt-Doom is about to obliterate Reed Richards when one of the FF's ships flies by and the two Mr. Fantastics stretch out they grab the ship and they fly away with it. And then Alt Doom turns to a skyscraper fortress just to see it in time to see it get blown up. He's like, What the hell is going on here? And he teleports away. So Mr. Fantastics join the other join the others, and Reed has an idea. Which it sounds like a bad idea, but he has an idea. He wants to use that device 
to transfer all of the powers of the Alt FF back into the bodies of our FF again. And they say that if they transfer all their powers, each member of the FF will rupture within four minutes. That seems like an awfully convenient number. Ben says, We'll make them the best damn four minutes of our lives. So after the powers are transferred, the real FF track down Alt-Doom. Super Mr. Fantastic stretches out his fingers. He plunges them into Doom's right hand. It seems a little unsanitary. Ben socks him. Johnny shoots flames at him. And Sue smashes him down with a force field. Alt-Doom tries to escape by traveling away in time. But Reed says he was prepared for that. But the FF's time-traveling ship appears and it shoots Alt-Doom. What they did was Doom's chrono-dimensional shift was cross-streamed at its most unstable by the ship's conflicting field, causing a chain reaction which scattered Alt-Doom across space and time. Well, yeah, of course that's what happened. How obvious. And then, before they explode with power, they transfer the powers of the Alt-FF out of the real FF back to where they belong. After this transfer, Alt Mr. Fantastic goes to check on our Fantastic Four, and they see they're dead. Reed, Sue, Ben, Johnny, all dead. Two days later, we see they've built a memorial, a memorial to the dead Fantastic Four. The city is in tatters, so yeah, they put up a memorial in two days. It basically looks like that four symbol similar to the roof of the old Four Freedoms Tower, or whatever it was called, back in the late 80s, early 90s. And then we see that the real Fantastic Four are there! Turns out, they were only dead for a minute or two! If that's the case, why build a memorial? And why was Alt-Mr. Fantastic Four uh, <laughs> giving some speech about their sacrifice? Alt-Mr. Fantastic warns the real FF about how one day, their own Doom Kang Nihilus will attack their world. You know, not bloody likely. I mean, that would assume some other writer in the future would read these issues and go, Hey, that was a good idea. Let's bring back Doom Kang Nihilus. Doom, the Annihilating Conqueror. I don't think that's very likely. Actually, it does happen in the pages of FF Volume 2. So the real FF say goodbye to the all-FF, and they teleport to the Baxter building where they expect to find the kids, Franklin and Valeria. It takes a minute until Lockjaw teleports in with Franklin, Valeria, and Old Man Johnny. Old Man Johnny is happy to touch Young Man Johnny on the arm and read his memories of the events that uh, make him so happy it makes him cry because he learns that his world was saved and his friends are still alive, unlike they were before. This doesn't seem to bother young Johnny, that he's going to grow up to be a big giant crybaby. But then again, it is the Johnny from another reality. The overjoyed old man Johnny doesn't waste much time. He says thank you to everybody, and he teleports back to his own universe. And then we see old man Johnny pop up in his old universe, a slight bit in the past, where he blows up the power core in Doctor Doom's headquarters, which is that explosion we saw earlier without any explanation. This attracts Doctor Doom, Doom King Nihilus, who promptly kills 
Old Man Johnny, to the shock and horror of uh, no one. Back in the normal universe, young Johnny somehow is able to sense and remember what happened to Old Man Johnny, and he tells his teammates about his sacrifice. And so Johnny suggests that they honor Old Man Johnny, and at this point we transition directly into a backup story by the same creative team, Fraction, Kessel, and Aniako, but in the backup story, Ayinako is being inked by Mike Allred, which is a dramatic shift. It looks completely different, and there's no title page announcing that this is a backup story. It's just like the main story keeps going, only with vastly different artwork. And I like the artwork of Raphael Ayinako, and I like the artwork of uh, Mike Allred, but together, it looks horrible. So Johnny's way to honor old man Johnny is to put up an eternal flame for him on the moon. And then we have a cookout with Wyatt Wingfoot, Silver Surfer, The Watcher, and She-Hulk, who has a conversation with Ben about, they were chatting about how the FF were only supposed to be gone a few minutes. But it seemed like they were gone a whole year, which they were. Johnny and Wyatt are talking about Johnny's love life, which isn't going very well, because clearly Ant-Man, Scott Lang, and Darla, the pink-haired girl who was Johnny's girlfriend, seem to be a couple now. Johnny says that he was attracted to Darla because she's a musician, and he wonders out loud if he could be in a rock and roll band. Which is odd, because during the Mark Millar run, Johnny was in a rock and roll band. They even played on the Letterman show. Meanwhile, Reed is having a chat with the Watcher, with Reed expressing concern about Johnny's future. He might turn out like crazy old man Johnny. And that is the best case scenario, Reed says. And now that the Watcher is going to have a child, he expresses concern about his child's future. Reed makes an offer for their families to watch out for each other and help whenever possible. And the Watcher, surprisingly, accepts this offer. Sue has a conversation with Ulana, the Watcher's pregnant girlfriend, <coughs> and Ulana says that her child is already watching, looking at everything, taking it all in, and waiting for the right time to be born. Is that some kind of Watcher belief? Or is that a Mormon belief? Back with Reed, he goes over to give Ant-Man Scott Lang a talking to. Reed's a bit upset that Scott was supposed to be watching over all these children, but instead, he put them in danger by going after Doctor Doom. What a massive hypocrite. Reed puts his kids and all those other kids in danger all the time. And the most dangerous thing Reed ever did was hiring Ant-Man Scott Lang as a babysitter. Reed says that Scott gave Doctor Doom quite a shellacking. I think I'll have to judge that for myself when I go uh, read the final issue of FF. Meanwhile, Valeria is pouting and wondering how she can run away to join a circus when her family is already like a circus. She'd like to run away someplace calm and normal. You know, I know how she feels. I feel like that every Thanksgiving. The Wakandan girl comes along and cheers her up, and they head off to join the party. Franklin says to the Watcher, 
Uatu joined the party. It's a pun. And the Silver Surfer flies by holding a hot dog. And he says, Dude, you must try these headed dogs, bro. It's been so long since we've seen the Silver Surfer. Is that his voice? Is that the voice I used to do for him? So the Watcher and his girlfriend uh, go join the party with the Watcher saying that this might be why human families gather together for meals so they can laugh and love and learn as each other's lives unfold and intersect. Not in my family. <laughs> in my family it's more like we get together uh, for awkward silence. And the issue ends with a two-page spread of all of our characters enjoying a cookout on the moon. And at this point, Ulana rubs her belly and says, It's time. Well, she's an attention whore, ain't she? And so that brings us to FF Volume 2, Number 16, to see what happened with Scott Lang Ant-Man and Dr. Doom. The story is called For All We Have and Are by Matt Fraction, Lee Allred, and Mike Allred. So we have this final showdown between Dr. Doom and Annihilus. And this is the real Marvel Universe's version of Dr. Doom Kang Nihilus, since he has the powers of Kang and Annihilus. Scott grows in size and he tells Dr. Doom to strip his armor off. He's going to beat him within an inch of his life. That sounds like a threat of violence, I think, maybe. We see the bruised and battered Watcher is still hanging around in the cave. Not sure why they're fighting in a cave. Scott grabs Doom by the wrist and he crushes part of his armor, surprising Doom, who's like, How did you get so powerful? The Watcher teleports back to the moon, and he gives everyone a complicated explanation of how the pin particles used by Ant-Man are making Scott stronger and stronger. Back in Latveria, Scott is using his extra strength to deliver a real shellacking to Doctor Doom. He rips off all his armor, and he's about to take the mask off, which Doom ain't too keen on the idea, but the mask comes off, and Doctor Doom, we see, is back to his old handsome self. Scott points out that the first thing that Doom does whenever he gains ultimate power is to fix his face. You know, I would do the same thing. We have a scene with uh, Franklin and Ravona, and we learn that Ravona had helped out by having Doom and Annihilus merge with a young, teenaged Kang early, so Doom Kang Nihilus isn't as strong as, you know, the version we saw in the pages of the Fantastic Four. And back with Scott and Doctor Doom, the Watcher shows up again with company, a cosmic being called the Living Tribunal. Normally, Doom wouldn't fall under the Tribunal's authority, but as a godlike being, he does. The Tribunal passes down his judgment that if Doom commits any act of malice, a new scar will appear on his beautiful face. Maybe that's why Doom looks so bad in Secret Wars 3. He's going to commit a lot of acts of malice. So the Living Tribunal goes away, and Scott goes back to giving Doom a beating, a shellacking, if you will. 
I still don't understand why Doom is so weak here. But the beating stops with a bunch of Doom's camera drones around them. Scott doesn't want to put on a show for the people of Latveria. He warns Doom to behave himself or he'll be back. Doom decides to take a shot at Ant-Man, but he misses. When Valeria teleports into the room, he hits her and kills her. Which is like the best thing ever for one panel. We see that the real Franklin and the real Valeria are watching. It's just some kind of mind trick committed by Ravona. Doom likes Valeria and he's not too happy to think that he killed her. Valeria reveals herself to Dr. Doom that she's still alive, but he still seems distraught and he doesn't say anything. And from here, we go into the backup story, the cookout on the moon, just like over in the Fantastic Four. We get a scene between Scott and Darla where they finally give in to temptation and they start kissing. Franklin checks in on Ravona, who's taking young Kang's unconscious body and going home. And the issue ends with the same two-page spread, Ulana revealing that she's about to give birth. The end. And that is the, that is the end of the Matt Fraction run, or I guess I could call it the Matt Fraction, Mark Bagley, Mike Allred run. Art-wise, art I like the work of, uh, the artwork of Mike Allred a lot. Mark Bagley is good, but, eh. I have never heard anyone other, utter the phrase, Mark Bagley is doing the artwork, yes! He's just a very workmanlike, reliable penciler, like a modern-day Sal Buscema. For the main book, Fantastic Four, I like the idea of them doing this year-long arc with the FF traveling the unknown universe, but it kind of strayed very far from that premise very quickly. Instead, they spent more time on time travel adventures that didn't seem to jibe with the original concept. The storyline reminds me of one of those Fantastic Four stories from the Burn Run, where the FF went off for about four or five or six issues on a journey to explore the Negative Zone. But I thought that story had more of a payoff, with Annihilus wrecking havoc back on Earth, and Sue getting pregnant while in the Negative Zone. I'm not sure this story had much of a payoff. I mean, the reason for their powers going crazy was because they had been infected with the powers from another FF from another timeline and I'm not sure I followed the logic and the final showdown with the alternate universe version of Doctor Doom was a big disappointment and to be honest I enjoyed the wackiness of FF volume 2 even more and at least that series ended with Scott Lang fighting the real Doctor Doom not some copy who was a man who killed Scott Lang's daughter so I feel like the stakes are higher in that encounter. Even though Scott Lang easily beat up, beating up Doctor Doom was like the dumbest thing ever. Overall, if I had to recommend the Matt Fraction run, run to somebody, I probably wouldn't. And I can't really recommend FF Volume 2 because if you, you'd have to read the boring Fantastic Four issues to understand the FF issues. By the way, I really hate the dual book format. I hope this is the last we ever see of the FF Future Foundation book. I just want to see one Fantastic Four book. You know, I feel that way about the Avengers and the X-Men and every other book. So that's all I have for now. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, 
You can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, Dave Elliott at podcastff. And you can download other episodes of iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. Oh,